Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 294 of The Sauces Factory. Welcome! In this episode I chat to Gabrielle Oliveira of Double Hit Games about their thought-provoking action-adventure platformer, Eternal Hope. It's a very, very well-put-together game. It is actually out now on Steam. It's very, very good. Really, really enjoyed this one as much as I did actually interviewing uh, Gabrielle. So, uh, without further ado... Let's listen to me from about six weeks ago doing that very thing. Chris, from the past, if you would, please. Gabrielle, who are you and what do you do? Hello there, I'm Gabrielle. I'm, I'm a sound designer and in Eternal Hope I am the, the lead sound designer and audio director. And what I do here, I... I mainly create the the sound effects of the game. I I work with two composers here from Brazil, and I work them a lot to to see where we need music to go on and where we're gonna need just sound effects and how the atmosphere, the the soundscapes of the the game will will fit with the the music and will fit with the the art of the game. So. My work here is to to create the the immersive experience of the sound in Eternal Hope. Nice, that's no mean feat. You've done an exceptionally jo- exceptional job because <laughs> sound is so so important. So yeah, um, how did you make you start making video games then? Uh, well, I it was uh, it was by accident. I start making a music degree and in the first day that I I gone to the university to make my uh, application uh, it was happening a global game gen event so uh, I didn't know what what was that but I get very curious about 
about and it was rolling on my mind for I think a year and then in the end of the of that same year I think it was 2014 and I start to I start to see a lot of of advertisements about the the global game gen and I remember that while I was in the I, I seen one happening when I go into the university and I signed up just to see how it was and it was very great so I started making just a few compositions for like three games in the global game gen and I really liked that I didn't know that it was um a career possibility, you know, in the the music uh, music industry to work with video games. I I never thought of that, but when I when I did that in the global game gen, I knew that this was what I wanted to do for my life. Yeah, those game gen things are amazing when they're run well. To be forced into <laughs> a situation where you have two days to make a functioning video game. And it's it's a tall order, but once you put those limits onto people, they do all sorts of strange shortcuts to create wonderful things. Usually, wonderful things. Some not so wonderful, but at least they're there trying. Um, yes, yes, I, I remember that the games that we did, we tried a lot to to work, but I I don't think it was very <laughs> good at uh, first games, you know. But <laughs> it was a pleasant experience. Yeah, working together to a common goal, even if it is it spirals out of control, is is fun and engaging and very it draw it draws people together, which is especially these days only can be regarded as a good thing. <laughs> yes. So you can answer this next question as double hit games, or personally from yourself. I do not mind, but it's a difficult question to answer. But as a creator of things, I feel compelled to ask it. What do you believe are your biggest influences? Mm, I think my, my, my biggest influences is one from, from the compositional side more than the, the sound design part. Because uh, as I did uh, a music degree, I, I researched even more about composers and so on and uh, I didn't know much about the sound sound design industry so it was uh, it is very fresh and new to me but my biggest influence I think it is Junkie XL because I like how how he merged sounds that usually is not musical sounds in, into music or how he can create uh, a lot of different uh, sound effects by things that you don't even imagine that could fit on that on that soundtrack on on the, in that position that he he places, and it's amazing. I like the creativity of it. That's what most inspire me, most influence me of doing that. So I I always when I'm doing some some sound effects i always think in the the creativity part how to make that sound be more creative uh, how to make it not in the usual way but try to uh, think of different possibilities to make that sounds the way i want so 
so I like him because of that. He uh, he make the sounds uh, he make the sounds from things that usually we're not thinking that it's gonna the sound the way he did. So it's very nice for me that. I find it when I'm playing video games, as one does. We just recently uh, played a game called The Mark of Cree. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's quite, it's quite a re- not well known. It's it's a well often cited game by developers and and journalists like myself uh, because it's an important game. On the PS2, it came out. PlayStation 2 uh, in 2003. So why am I talking about this? Well, and also, how, why am I talking about it in response to your point about music and the dynamism of it and how it inputs into the the, the, the experience? Well, the Mark of Cree has a dynamic soundscape. I know this is 18 years ago, but they were doing it back then like they're doing it now. And that game, you you know more about what's going on in the world by the sounds than you do by the visuals it's incredible uh and i like it's something you might want to look into just look up you don't have to play the game because you can get it on playstation 4 now believe it or not but um yeah it's an extraordinary game and it has this dynamic sound uh design system that you might find interesting it's a bit clumsy and of course it is because it's very old but you can see where that started and where it's now become or where it's now gone and sound design becoming preeminent is is a wonderful thing and you being part of that is great too it definitely shows itself in eternal hope because because again you use sound in a way that you the the it almost preempts what is about to visually happen on the screen you hear a rumble before the rumble occurs you hear um, creatures coming before they actually appear it's you know it's what it's what it's what sound does it's how it's always worked but to have it in video games is uh, is, is is very important and and uh, appreciated yes uh, i like very very much of that and i i'm looking at the game here i will check it later uh, and one thing that you you mentioned remember uh, a phrase that one of that i've heard once uh, with Hans Zimmer, that music tells a story. Music must tell a story. But uh, I like to think that not only music, but the the sound in general must tell the story uh, where you are, what's going to happen, and and this what we try to focus on on eternal hope with the audio to to help to tell the story that the 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 player is seeing on the screen. Yeah. So my next question is this, and uh, it can be tough to answer. Maybe it's maybe it's very easy to answer. Maybe you've already answered it. I do not know. But let's just ask it anyway. The question is this: What developer do you most admire in the industry, and why? Well, that's really a, a tough one. Uh, I think this. Uh, I I wouldn't say that the the one that I most admire is for more a personal reason than for you know what he did for the industry and then so on, and is two of them and is Jason Rubin and Andy Ga- Andy Gavin because they create the game that one of the games that I most enjoy in all my life that is Crash Bandicoot, 
and that for me is really really something for <laughs> for for admire them and not not just that but uh, not a long time ago i've seen a interview that andy gavin uh, did and i found it really fascinating how with the the resources that they had in the time they managed to create crash bandicoot the way it it is you know a 3d platformer and it was a very new thing at the time and they had to manage a lot of uh, a lot of things the programmers did uh, need to to do to to make the the animations of the game room smoothly for uh playstation one so i think that's uh, that's a, a really great thing i like when the developers uh when they they can cross the barrier of the limit that the technology in, imposes to them and this and that i admire a lot uh, yes uh it's um crash bandicoot which arrived i'm a bit i was a bit old when it arrived so it wasn't targeted at me uh so it was not until many years later that i appreciated what it does and what they did and you're right Although the PlayStation, when it arrived, was a very powerful machine and far more advanced than its contemporaries, it was still, in comparison now, a very, very, you know, like it didn't lack, it didn't have the same kind of power that we, well, say power, processing power, that's what I'm thinking of, that we take for granted now. Um, to the point where I find it fascinating watching recently, I've got a friend of mine who actually is streaming. Crash Bandicoot at the moment. He keeps on playing through them and he's remarkably good at them. So it's great seeing someone who's good at the game actually play it. It's, it's, uh, he really knows, he almost, you know, he's, he can see what's going to happen to them before it happens. It's incredible. But anyway, what I found remarkable is that the, though it is 3D, it's the, all the very low polygons and all the textures are warping and shifting. But for some, somehow, and I find it amazing. I know this is a graphical thing, not a musical thing, but I find it fascinating how they managed to, rather than avoid that or try to pull tricks to so that didn't happen, they actually embraced it and made it part of the game, part of the thing. Like, yeah, this is all warping and twisted and strange, but then again, you're a bandicoot <laughs> and the whole yes, world is warped yeah. and strange anyway. Do you agree with that? Yes, I agree. It's It's very pleasant that, how they, they imagined to, pay, to to put that and, and not only that I I really like how they make it like a, a cartoon character in the game it's not a, a person it's not a, a humanoid it's it's a cartoon and I I always loved a lot of cartoons so I think that is one of the things that uh, connect me into the game more it's that desire to to play a cartoon it started decades before, I mean, we, you know, centuries actually, if you think about it. Cartoons have been around for over 100 years now. Uh, well, animated sort of film cartoons, that is. Some of the earliest ones we know, Mickey Mouse and that kind of thing on his train. And here we are, 100 years later, playing Cuphead. <laughs> which yes. it's incredible <laughs> you know and I have to draw Cuphead out because that's the best example I can think of <laughs> Eternal Hope is in another place but Cuphead takes those 1930 cartoon and shoves them in your face and go here you can play those now 
uh, in a very difficult game that no one can finish. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't finish it. <laughs> I put it as a, as a challenge for myself, but no, I can't. I'm glad I'm not the only one. It's a lovely game, but uh, I, I, the monitors are expensive. I don't want to throw my controller through it, so it's not. A... <laughs> yes. Speaking of someone who's just bought a new one, I've just, just upgraded my PC. It's very nice. Anyway. Nice. <laughs> thank you, yes. Uh, uh, in fact, I just upgraded it yesterday, so we're actually recording on new equipment. Hurrah! But uh, it's working, I'm happy to say. Um, the last question of the first half. See, you've made it. Well done. <laughs> is um, I love asking this question because it gives me a hint as to what you, what gets you sort of uh, excited in the video game world because you're part of it. You make them. So, what do you get out of the other games? So, what are you playing right now, Gabrielle? Uh, I'm playing. I'm playing two. Two games, one that I never stopped playing since I began, that is Age of Empires 3. I I personally love RTS games and I always play like uh, with a with a few friends and I really hope that they <laughs> they make the the definitive edition of it. Uh, but right now oh, I'm playing No Man's Skies. I was very with a uh, I stepped behind with the game, you know, I'm very uh, not confident about the game, what I would expect of it, because there's a lot of uh, mixed uh, comments about the game, but I'm really enjoying it. It was really above my expectations in, in the game. I took on board criticism when it first came out, and then it came from people who didn't it sounds me sort of denigrating their opinions and I don't want to do that. I don't want to put down someone's opinion in any way. But um, I don't think people understood what the game was. And I don't think, you know, uh, Hello Games did themselves many favours in that regard. They said things that they said, well, actually, it's going to eventually happen, but not quite. And it's wonderful that they've been reinventing it and, re and building it and building it and building it and turning it into something that is unrecognisable. And I'm happy to say it still resides on my PlayStation 4 hard drive, and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, when it first yes. came out, yeah. Um, I'm not sure what platform you're playing it on, but I've, when I first played it, I thought, oh, I know what this is. I know exactly what this is. This is Mercenary. Now, Mercenary is a very, very, very old game. It's about 35 years old. But it had the same concept. Open world, you had... You're dumped on a planet, and you're, the idea of the game is to, to escape. Just that by any any means necessary, just get out. Just escape. That's the whole point of the game. Very difficult, actually, to, to escape a planet. Um, but you did it with a variety of means. And the same concepts, the same ideas, the same building blocks from that game of all those years ago were the same. The same with No Man's Sky. The difference being that you really got you escaped the planet and then you made, once you did that you could then fly off to other planets and you found the whole universe um yes what what's the big sort of what 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 is the thing that draws you to no man's sky do you think mm, for me i think it's the unexpected things that happen to you um i like when when the game 
sorts like uh, you can't predict what is about to to happen. Like when I'm traveling to the space, and I that's the most part uh, the part that I most love that is travel with the, the spaceships, and I'm traveling there, and uh, some pirates uh, find that I'm with some precious item in my inventory, and they want it, and so I need to to fight them or bribe them to they leave or give the the item that they they want and that unexpected things uh, i think it's the 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 thing that i most enjoy in you know, sky because it's uh when you start seeing he it's um it's not uh the game is not big in in a lot of things that it can you can make you know uh, the car loop of the game it's it's small, but inside it you can make so many things because it's unpredictable what is gonna happen next. You go to a different planet and everything is different, and I I like that very much because you you don't get tired of it. I think <laughs> for, personally for me it's more than uh, fifty hours now, and I I didn't get tired yet. <laughs> Excellent. No, no, it's uh, you're right. It's it, you think you've got it. You think you've got the cycle. You think you've, and then weird stuff happens, and that's yes, exactly. And that's what pe- keeps people playing, you know. And uh, it's a game of discovery. It's very daunting, it really is. But once you get over that, and you get used to things, it's quite extraordinary. So yeah, um, no, thanks for that. It's great. I need to get back onto it because. Animal Crossing can is to stop it. <laughs> I need to stop. I need to stop. For heaven's sake! But uh, it's very relaxing, especially in the times now. But uh, yeah. Anyway, I didn't try it yet, so I, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lovely game, but of course it is. It's Animal Crossing. It's just that's all it is is about love and kindness and respecting other people and neighbors, even if they're like hamsters or something anyway um it's very strange but uh anyway that's the end of the first half we shall now move on to the second half where we delve deep into eternal hope So the first question to you, Gabrielle, is not a question. It's a request. It's known as the zeroth question. 
and that is this before we can delve deep into eternal hope we need to know what it is and i always last to ask the developers their idea of what it might be what they think they've made here so tell us what is eternal hope well eternal hope is a 2d adventure game where you play as chibi that he become a hero not by choice but by imposition of the the destiny because he lost his loved girlfriend and he's willing to go at the end of his world to find her soul again to collect the pieces of her soul to bring her back so it's a love story so it's a a game that brings a love story for you and we introduce um a power to the the character that he's able to cross dimensions in the the in his own dimension to the the shadow dimension where he find creatures that may help him or not and he needs to to use all of that to in order to complete the puzzles in order to complete the challenges that that the that the world faces to him and to get his girlfriend back that is it it is a, the the uh the loss of his girlfriend that happens very early on everyone so don't this is part of the story uh, and uh, yes. that um <laughs> that uh, basically changes his life uh and he's yes, devastated exactly. of course and uh, but then something happens he's offered a, a, a request is made of him a very strange request but a request is made and then at which point he then gains what he thinks is a, a chance to be reunited with his girlfriend and um off he goes on this travels and uh things aren't what they seem from the outset you know and uh but he's given one of the things he's given is is is, is, is a special power and his special power basically allows him to glimpse into a, a parallel world which is very similar to his own but slightly off, slightly darker, and be- beings inhabit this world. Uh, normally they're there to help him, um, for good or ill, but they are there to, to aid him. They look very strange and frightening, but they are they are there to assist him. And in fact, you're regular- I find it interesting how uh, Eternal Hope regularly reminds the player that, um, you know, don't worry, it looks a bit strange, but they're there to help. And it's said a lot, certainly in the beginning, when you see these creatures... Um, I just want to so uh, one of the things I did notice in Eternal Hope is that um, there is when you shift shift over into this other world, you can't be there permanently. There's a time and it's ticking down constantly, and when that ticking down goes to zero, you revert back to their own the own world of the character. Why do you have a timer? Why was that there? Uh, it's it's a safe trigger you know because it's not a safe dimension to our character to be it's not his own dimension so he cannot stay there for too long because it can can have a, a lot of side effects you know and this you only can can find what those side effects are by 
you know, rolling into the game. <laughs> but he cannot stay that dead for too long. So he get that timer because it's the, the safe safest amount of time that he can stay there. We get a little bit of what staying too much in that dimension occurs that in the first time that he used by accident this power when he received from death itself a creature almost get him inside of the this shadow world so it's not a safe place to be uh, for too much time it also adds some mechanics to the game in that platforms for example appear in this other world but they don't appear in the world the inhabits so there is a point of there was well, a bit of scaffolding that you can scramble up but you have to be you have to be quick because if you don't this is going to disappear and you fall to the ground possibly killing yourself um and that's an interesting aspect to it as well and i think it's a very good idea that a timer does exist um because there's been other games that have shifting and changing of, of, of realities uh, soul reaver being a good example of that but this is not the same kind of thing it's not the same atmosphere either because that game was about vengeance this is not about vengeance um i want to move on to the next point about the fragility in eternal hope of the main character he's very he's extremely fragile he can't fall very far if he touches water, there's more than waist deep. He will die. Um, were, did you, from the outset, when you were designing the puzzles uh, as a team, was that always the basic premise, or basic idea, I should say, that um, there is a great deal of fragility in the character that the player is controlling, and they they must respect that. Uh, yes, because when when we think about the the story of the our character, he's not a, a superhero with powers that can face anything. He is just an ordinary creature that that he wants to meet his girlfriend back. He's not he's a normal people, but a normal person. But he receives a power that that only thing that that power is the only thing that make him different in some aspect but besides that he's uh, a normal person he can swim he can fall for a long distance because he's gonna break himself and die and so this uh, was always on the mind since we start making the puzzles of the game we want it to be it to be fragile so we can make the the puzzles around that fact that he cannot swim, he cannot uh, fall for too long, so he must use the the switching dimension power, or he must use the 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 things that are that are around him, boxes and rocks and so on, for complete the puzzles. Yeah, I love it. I love the the the, the lateral thinking of the of the puzzles and the design of them. It's really clever. You have to think about what you can, and more importantly, what you can't do, and see what how objects react to other objects in the realm, and go, oh, well, if I do that, then this, <laughs> then this will happen. 
Um, yes, yes. It's really good. It just makes you feel you feel like you're a genius when you figure it out. But I know that's what you're there to do. That's the premise of uh, puzzle adventure games, especially games like Eternal Hope. But you do it so well and so subtly. It's 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 lovely that to, to experience. So thank you. I thank you for that, the compliment. The message within Eternal Hope centers on two things, actually. But I noticed one of the things that it centers on is um, it talks about reacting about how people or creatures look and then taking from that um, how you should react to them. And really, it's saying that um, in Eternal Hope that you look at the, the these creatures do look sort of aggressive and violent and, and and nasty, but it turns out they're they're not any of, any of those things at all. And indeed, in in uh, there's, a, there's a creature in 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 the water, which um, which Heli, the little fairy creature that follows you around, um, warns you against, turns out to be an ally. <laughs> um, how did this come about? Why did you go there with this? What what is what are you trying to say with to the player that is it is it you know looks can be deceiving? Well, when when we sort of trying to to tell the play, the player what is something hostile and what is something that can help him, we we tried a few things before. But what mostly worked was the the feedback of his appearance. So how those creatures appear to you, it already uh, tells tell us the difference on if we come come closer to it or or not. And this is a fast way to to the player can react to it. Uh, uh, if we didn't that, the player would you know, try to see if they're friendly or not by uh, trying to deal with it and dying. And so we wanted to avoid that and telling the players uh, uh, what are they be- uh, what are the, the behaviors of the, those creatures by using the how they appear with the masks on and off. Yes, it's the masks. And the the, the, the the crying eyes. It, uh, it's quite disturbing, but then you realise what it's all about. At least initially, you think you know what's going on, but then there's something else happening. It's wonderful. Lots of different stories all intertwined, or threads being in, being introduced to the player bit by bit, and it's up to the player which thread they want to follow. Um. Yes, and and, and this is um. A major thing, you know, the the mask part. So, uh, those deta- details that are in the game is, if you want to know more about the the history of the game, what it's trying to tell you about, you need to to pay attention on those details, especially the the masks, because it's it's an important one to to know what is happening on the shadow world. And of course, the other thing I alluded to earlier was the grief. We're not going to go into detail here, but ultimately, Eternal Hope is about grief and the loss of someone you love, and uh, how you deal with that. And uh, uh, this is it's a very difficult subject to cover, especially in video games. But yes. you are <laughs> doing that very thing, 
so that's that's got to be laudable. And not, but I don't think there's not much I can say or expand on with regards to the design of the of of Eternal Hope based on that, other than it does do an excellent job and it does it very um, sensitively as well because it is a sensitive subject. My last question then. Um, yes, sorry, Gabriel. Uh, my last last question. Okay, uh, no, we can keep yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, 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 we'll plough on. But we can probably my last question was sort of relate to, to what, we're, what I've just said there and how uh, sensitive things need to be. But uh, all of the puzzles that I experienced in playing Eternal Hope uh, assume the player can exercise a degree of lateral thinking uh, based on what they can see and what their character that they're controlling can actually do. What have you done in the design of each area to advise the player that this is what they're supposed to be doing? What you know, basically, they're they're encouraged to have this mode of thought, this way of like, here's this reacts to this. You can do this. You can reach that, but you can't reach this. But you know, what do you do? How do you think you communicate to the player that this is how? you actually experience eternal hope, if anything? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, th that's a very interesting question because when we're trying to introduce some new feature, like, for example, rolling uh, a rock ball or pushing a box, we, we first try to make it on a simple way. Like, for example, in the first... In the in the second word you have the um, in the first word you have the water, so it's there. You you can try to to jump in the water and you're gonna see that you're gonna die. But it's not a puzzle because you don't you do not need to go to through the water. You go uh, with the zipline up there with the bucket, and we always try to introduce the the puzzles in a simple way first so the the player can understand how it it occurs so we can develop it and make it uh the way you want uh, the way we want that it's more challenging so we always try to to put all the the puzzles that he need to make on the on the area so and each of the words that we are creating like for example the the prologue that we release on Steam, uh, it's just the the first word. We try always to put two two puzzle types in the in the whole uh, in the whole word, and each of those words we increase in more to two different puzzle types. So we always try to to play it or play with it in different ways, and. The way we we try to to put everything on the area for the player to to know what we're going to react with with something, we we try to make it like you know uh, first presenting, then what it can be done. Like for example, uh, a rock that you can push it and can break things, and you and after that you must think in your way, you know, like that little thing, you know, that that wooden wall over there, it looks like it's 
it's a bit fragile. The the wall it's uh, a little broken. So I think it, if he hits something there, it can be it can be breaking and or or like for example that rope it look uh, looks like it has a little bit of uh uh a break point in the rope so if i try to put some weight on it it can fall and i can get that box for me or i can get that uh the rock for me for use it so we always try to in the design process of it or making making the in the scenes we always try to to introduce what that object can make before before presenting in the puzzle that we want to to make so we try to put in the uh a simple puzzle before it before the the real puzzle that we want to show to the the player i this, yes you just build off you introduce a simple puzzle and go okay this is the moving parts of this puzzle we are now going to build on that because you're now used to that you can read that. It's very it's, again. It's really Eternal Hope reeks of subtlety. Everyone, uh, it, it's that's what it's all about. There's there's nothing is beaten. You're never beaten over the head about anything. It's just there's a thing that interacts with that. Have a go. See what happens. What's the worst that could happen? Oh wait, you're dead. Never mind. Try again. Um, but no, I, I can only congratulate you for that. Because that's really thank you, <laughs> thanks. Um, it, it really, it's one of the many games of recent years that treats the intelligence or respects the intelligence of the player. So many games historically didn't do that, but uh, recently, I'd say the last maybe five to ten years tops, games have started to treat or treat the player with some respect and saying that they already know what the B button does. You don't have to tell them. Uh, let them figure out for themselves and discovery is a joy of itself and uh, Eternal Hope is definitely a game of discovery so yeah, well done Thank you, yes uh, we uh, we did that way because personally we would like games that don't tell us everything that we, we must do, you know uh, I'm not trying to I'm not uh, getting to pass that that part over here so it shows us how to make it we we like to figure out by ourselves how to to make that and and also that was a little bit of our worry in the puzzles of the game we never knew if he, it was too hard if it was too easy if it was uh, intuitive enough or or not and we did a lot of of play tests, but we always felt that we need more because it's hard. It's hard to to know when we when it's time to to stop and okay, it's now good enough and we can move on with that puzzle. Yeah, we're always moving with it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. Yes. <laughs> okay, so Eternal Hope by Double Hit Games. Where did the name of the studio come from, by the way? What is Double Hit? What do you? Where did it come from? Oh my! <laughs> I I personally don't know that because I I I'm I'm not in the the studio since it began. But okay. the the Double Hit itself it started by Angelo and Angelo and Enrique Fighter. 
and they're the the founders of the of Double Heat Games. They had they had a previous company before with other other people, and they did only uh, mobile games. And they wanted to to move on to do different games and different mobile games, and also different platform games for PC in the case. And I think personally that Double Heat Games is because of the two of them. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. I I just love asking <laughs> that question because we get some very very interesting names of developers on this show. I'm sure you can imagine. And uh, yes, some of the some of it is literally I don't know. We just we're in a pub and someone thought jammed these two words together and thought it sounded funny. That works as well. <laughs> uh, one of them was uh, it's the name of our server. Okay, <laughs> so uh, that's that, that's an interesting one. But yes, Eternal Hope by Double Hit Games. Uh, it's out on Windows, PC, and Xbox One. Are they the two platforms that it's coming out for? Yes, yes. Uh, okay. For the day Steam, it's gonna be on on August thirteen. Uh huh. And and for Xbox, we we don't we didn't exactly have the the date yet. No. But it's coming soon after the the Steam release. Indeed. So by the time this show is released, it will be out. Uh, so yes excellent times um, Gabriel it's been wonderful having you on the show thank you very very much for sharing your experiences and your thoughts in making Eternal Hope it's been uh, it's been really interesting thank you thank you I, I thank you very much for the, the opportunity of presenting myself and the game here it's a it's a great one uh, and I know I want to thank for all of your work on the on the podcast it's, it's a lot of time and a lot of work, and it's a uh, congratulations for all that work. It's really Thank amazing. You. Thank you. It's uh, appreciated. It's uh, it's no it's no mean feat. So to be mm-hmm. thanked like that, I appreciate it. So yes, thanks very much. Thank you. <laughs> you have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at Patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early extended and exclusive podcasts find us on twitter facebook instagram twitch youtube and at our website cane and rinse.com